Hey, this is Jim. Welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Got another great episode for you today with a great guest, Mr. Joel Beyer. He is this close to going full-time with his online business. He's a coaching student of ours. He went through the proven Amazon course and he's built something pretty special. He's got a lot of great tips and very specific strategies that he shares with us today towards the end of his interview. We kind of dive off on some pretty interesting topics, including uh, one of my favorites was right towards the end where we talk about, am I building an asset? If I go down this road of building a replens business, this is another replens success story. And if you don't know what a replen is, we'll stick some resources in the show notes so you can get in there and find that out. But Basically, it's selling retail items and online arbitrage items, items that you find, everyday items that you can sell at a nice markup on a repeat basis. Am I building a real business that I can actually sell someday to someone? And the answer is yes. And we talk about why that is and how you can creatively do just that. But we also dive off into many other exciting topics, everything from where he finds his products, some of the exciting products that he first sold when he got started, some of the missteps that he took. He talks about how he started to dive into private label a little too soon and our coaching team reeled him back into some very profitable territory instead as he's getting his feet under him with the model that was already working so well. So he's built an incredible business. He's got a very healthy six-figure business heading up to be much bigger than that in my opinion and he's going to share his journey and share his story. So thanks for hanging out with us today. I think you're going to enjoy hanging out with Joel and I and as always we're grateful for some of your time as you hang out on the Silent Sales Machine Radio podcast. One little favor, if I could ask it of you, please leave us a good review wherever you're watching or listening. We'd love that. And if you could go to silentgym.com and jump into our Facebook group, if you're not a member in there yet, it's completely free. I think you're going to love it. 63,000 of us hanging in there every day, talking about how to build our businesses, how to make Amazon uh, an incredible income opportunity for you and your family. It's a free resource for you. So if you're not in there, come check it out. And when you get in there, one little tip, scroll through hundreds of recent success stories by looking for the topic tag at the top of the page. There's a little topic tag. It says topics. Click it and look for the success stories. Hundreds and hundreds of recent inspirational success stories from very real people, just like Joel, who you're about to meet. So let's get Joel on the line now and enjoy today's episode. We'll talk to you soon. So Joel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. Great to have you, man. So I just want to jump right into your story. Let's let's start at the beginning, wherever you want to go. Sure. Okay. So it's funny. I was just talking to my parents this last week, and they reminded me that probably since junior high, I've been interested in running my own business. Hmm. And uh, they said, it's kind of funny. I thought you'd let go of that. I said, no, it's always been there under the surface. Uh, and so, you know, here I have this opportunity and I'm loving it. And so in high school, you know, I sold candy out of lockers, college. I uh, had a franchise for a painting company, you know, shortly after school, I opened up a sales organization um, as a 1099 contractor and did pretty well there, but kind of burned me out a little bit. And um, the money was never really there. You know, I had good sales numbers, but I don't know if my, I just wasn't managing my money very well. So, um, you know, I took a a position in banking and um, had a degree in management. And so that helped to leverage getting into a spot and then use my W-2 income to help qualify for some lending and purchase some real estate. And so I thought I was doing great, started with zero. And after a couple of years, had 50 plus units 
of different wow. rental um, real estate. And the problem was everything was negative cash flow, <laughs> uh, had deferred maintenance on it. Yeah. And I did my numbers based on making the loan payment to the bank and didn't take any of this other stuff, management fees, you know, other types of maintenance issues. Yeah. Wow. 50 units is going it. in deep. That's pretty, that's going in pretty deep, pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, for any money I was missing, I was trying to make it up in volume, I guess. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that only uh, so long, right? Yeah. So it sounds it was a bit kind like the Dave end. Ramsey story. Did you have any disaster moments with all of that? I did. Yeah, it was it was kind of a rough time, but basically at the end of that, I realized I um, I needed more information before making a real move into any kind of a business venture, and so I started attending some conferences and getting to know real estate a lot better because I wanted to buy real estate. But you know, I'd read Rich Dad Poor Dad and some of the Robert Kiyosaki books, and one thing that I missed, I guess, was that first you need to build your business and then use that money to invest. And I tried to go straight for investing. And so um, I uh, went and let's see, I worked in mortgage, helped me to qualify for some lending and understand how lending and real estate worked. But I eventually wanted to move into uh, business banking and commercial lending because I felt like, hey, there's going to be bigger deals there. And so I went into business banking and now I was around all these entrepreneurs and that that it started coming back like, hey, I really want to start something. And I remember two or three meetings with clients right at the beginning. Um, they were with people in their 20s who were running e-commerce businesses and making well into six figures. Uh, one was a married couple who was um, importing a beauty product from Europe. The other was uh, a group of five guys that were renting a super high-end house in a really nice area of Denver. And it was kind of like an incubator where they all had their own little e-commerce businesses, right. but they were, it was like a mastermind and they were living together and all single. And one guy had just sold his business for $750,000. He took 350,000 in cash and then three, three, sorry, 375 in cash, 375 paid out over time. And I thought, that's amazing. You know, like he built an asset in two or three years and sold that thing and he can go out and do that again. And so it really piqued my interest. And I thought, I need to pay attention to this. So the next time I heard about e-commerce, it was through this video series. And I could kind of tell this was a funnel and it's going to end in a big sale. Right. And I didn't really want to end up there. Sure. But I was listening to a Rabbi Daniel Lappin podcast. Really? I've been put on to him by a couple other people. Yeah. Um, David Barton through Wall Builders and then uh, Dave Ramsey had both mentioned him. Yeah. So I just looked him up. Right. And I was listening to him and he was talking about when he had done the Proven Conference, he was the keynote speaker and he posted that and it was in like October, I think of 2019. Yeah, It had been right and, after, right after our event. I can't tell you, he didn't tell me that he was planning to give us such a huge plug. If you've listened to his podcast for a while, he doesn't plug anything ever unless it's a paid advertiser and he reads his little 15 second spot. You know, he talked about us right. in our conference for 10 minutes after the conference. I was, I got to tell you, I was thrilled uh, because yeah, it was he's, amazing. He's, he's a great guy. I actually have his book. I didn't know you were going to even bring it up, but this is how close to my desk his book is at all time. I, I don't know if just to show off, you know, there's his, my little uh, autograph note from him right there. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's a great one too. So, yeah. Yeah. They've got some so I've, stuff I've out there. read that one. Check out too. There's a little plug for Daniel Lappin, L-A-P-I-N. Great podcast, great resources for sure. 
Absolutely. So that's how you heard of us, huh? Through Lappin's show. That's phenomenal. It is. He said something like, if you have enough time to watch TV in the evenings, maybe you should put that time to use. And I was thinking, wow, okay, I guess I could start something in the evenings. And um, my wife looks back on that time and she's like, curses and swears. We didn't even have time to watch TV. And you started this. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's been great. You know, that was um, October of 19. I heard that. November was the first month paying for the Amazon account. Didn't make any sales that month. December, I made like $351 in sales. And that came from finding stuff around my house and, you know, visiting a couple thrift stores. Yeah. And, um, sure. Yeah, exactly. And so then after making my first couple sales, I just kind of kept ramping it up. January, I crossed over 5,000 and then April FBA shut down because of COVID. And so May ended up with most of my April plus May sales, and I crossed the $10,000 mark. And then I think September, I was over 20. And then November, almost 40. December, almost 50. And then January was actually better than December. January, I think I came in at 50, almost 54,000 in sales. Wow. And that brings us up to date. Yeah, exactly. That's a pretty quick ramp up. So you're working full-time at a real yes. kind of thing? Yeah. Because I mean, just yeah. before we jumped on this call, you, you, had a, uh, you had a phone call with work. Like, hey, I'll have to get back. To I you. did. It's like, so you're still like doing it. You're still hitting it. Are you working from home for that gig? Yes. So since March, I've been at home and every once in a while, I need to go to an appointment or a meeting, um, but most of the time I'm at home. Okay. And so it's really given me a taste of what it would be like to work from home. And I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a a lot of the world is kind of discovering, um, you know, for my family, one of my favorite memes about this whole thing was like, we're kind of discovering um, that our lifestyle is called quarantine. Hmm, Interesting. Because we homeschool, (laughs) we work from home. (laughs) You know, we go out when everyone else is at home and we stay home when everyone else is out. We avoid rush hour. We avoid Saturdays. You know, it's like, right. No need to go where the crowds are, no need to go where the lines are. We go when there's no crowds and no lines. And so we kind of live a quarantine lifestyle well before COVID. Uh, I think a lot of families are being that now, like, you know, having the kids under the same roof and mom and dad home, this isn't all that bad. There's some good things happening here. So uh, getting a little taste of that. Do you guys have kids? We do. We have four. My oldest is um, turning 12 in May. Uh, then we have a 10 year old. And then a six-year-old and a one-year-old. Beautiful. Man, blessed guy. That's awesome. And so does your wife work a job or with you in the business, uh, the, the Amazon business? How's, what's her role? I'm lucky if she decides to help me in an evening. Um, <laughs> she is amazing at packing boxes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but yes, it's definitely my Oh, and she does help me with some of the accounting. Um, she's been you know, bringing into my accounting software and reconciling some items, which is great. Beautiful. But no, she, um, well, being a mom last year decided to do a gig, you know, I mean, it it is my, my, my wife and our kids are getting a little older now. So she's starting to get a little bit of free time, but, uh, she really didn't do a whole lot with, you know, she's a brilliant speaker. She'll speak at our events, for example, but she doesn't really do a whole lot Mm -hmm. with the business. She speaks more about the family dynamics, which is a very, necessary component of this. It's a, it's a new thing for a lot of families to be under the same roof. I'm sure you guys went through a little bit of a, you know, this is strange. What's dad's role during the day when normally he's gone and mom's in charge of everything. You know, what's the, how do we blend this all? 
Um, but so it's always interesting to me to hear how families are navigating that. She's really liked having me home. I can kind of be available while the baby's sleeping and the kids are doing some homework because we just started homeschooling this year. And then she can run to the store and not have anybody in tow, which is great. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm just such a huge fan of homeschooling and entrepreneurship. Your kids are going to benefit. I don't know how difficult of a decision it was for you guys, but your kids are going to benefit in some a tremendous way. Seeing a business under the roof and having their, their mom as their primary teacher with dad right there present and helping. Oh my goodness. It's just, that's, it, that's really hard to beat in any kind of other yeah. institutionalized system. And that's really hard to beat. I agree. So kudos for that. Yeah. Man. That's beautiful. Well, I want to dig Thank into you. your business a little bit, man. Let's, let's hear, you know, you've given us some numbers. That's awesome. Let's hear some, uh, some ROI. Let's, you know, the, you, you know, what's behind those numbers a little bit and how are you finding this stuff to sell? What are you selling? What system are you following? That sort of thing, because I truly don't know yet at this point. Sure. So in 2020, my sales for the year were roughly 185. And um, that's according to my accounting books anyway. Um, right. Amazon had it a little higher. <laughs> and then um, my bottom line number on that was 67,000. And so it's about a 36% um, margin. Mm-hmm. And generally when I'm sourcing stuff, it's about a 40% ROI or better. Um, but I'm finding that a lot of the stuff that I source is much better than a 40% ROI. It's just, that's kind of where I have it set. And that's my lowest threshold. Right. And we kind um, of, in the re- it sounds like you're doing some really replans model to me based on those numbers that you're sharing. And uh, we do kind of set like, as a, especially for a new person, you want to be making two or $3 minimum and 40% ROI minimum. And that stuff is everywhere. And over time, you'll raise yeah. your standards and, and you'll come in around 100% ROI average after you've been doing this a while. Uh, that's where a lot of people kind of wind up, put a dollar in, get $2 out kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. So well done. And especially for a guy who's working full time, how many hours do you put in to achieve those numbers? And you really kind of started halfway through the year. It sounds like you kind of ramped up. So 2020 was like a seven, six, seven month thing for you where you really kind of focused in, right? Mm-hmm. It was. So at the beginning of 2020, I was doing everything and packing boxes was really slowing me down. Um, But I wanted the business to grow and I didn't have to put any money in myself. And so the business grew to a point where I could afford accounting um, because I know in as a banker, how important it is to have accounting records. And I wanted to have that from the beginning. So that was the first large expense I had, which was maybe fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars $1,500. And then my next big expense was coaching that the business paid for. So even after those expenses, my numbers are reflective of that. But yeah, the coaching was interesting. I didn't realize you were a coaching student. I typically I'll read the bio on students, but but from time to time, I just, my day is going crazy and I just jump into these interviews. So I don't even know what was in your bio. I maybe reviewed it a few weeks ago when it came across my desk, but uh, so I didn't realize you were a coaching student. Yeah. Talk us through that. Uh, You said interesting experience that, you know, share. Yeah. So I kind of thought, Hey, retail's at the bottom and then wholesale and then private label. And I don't really want to start at the bottom. I just want to jump right into it. So I wanted um, somebody that could help me with wholesale and private label right from the beginning. Mm. And I didn't understand that I've started something and it would be really beneficial to have somebody help me improve what I've already started. Uh, When I met with my wholesale coach, 
I realized that business model is so much different than what I was doing. And it felt like I'm already so busy. How am I going to find time to do this other stuff too? Right. And, and so I actually, after the first meeting, I said, that's really great. I can see how it would be beneficial. You do the work and you know maybe there's a long-term benefit. That's probably even more scalable than what I'm doing now. But I need to focus on what I'm doing now and just kind of lock this in, make sure that it's working and then move on in the future. So after that first meeting, I asked um, for a different coach and I was uh, at that point assigned to Larry and Soup and they're great. Uh, they helped me to get systems set in place and I hired somebody in September as a contractor. can't say hired. Uh, he's been working with me and uh, packing and shipping. That really helped bump everything up. Plus the repricer helped me improve, put an inventory lab, which helped with the pack ship process. And um, then I was having a hard time figuring out what to buy. And so we got a system for that. And so just all those systems, initially, I didn't want to spend a whole lot of money on those because I felt like, hey, that's my money. But right. if I'm going to think about if I'm going to think about hiring somebody, it's less expensive and probably software will do as good or better of a, a job than, an, than a human will. Why not just bring on that software and then hire where I can't automate? And so the Larry and Sue got me to see that, which is really good. Fantastic. I love that. You know, you really, there was a bit of a fork in the road here and we, we kind of cruised through it, but uh, you've, you have some good business instincts built into you when you noticed a shiny opportunity and you were capable of pursuing it, but you saw where that was going to detract you from the momentum you already had. There's a huge mm-hmm. lesson in that. I can't tell you the number of times I've had sessions with people who are six months down the road of having made the wrong decision at that point. And they're saying things like, well, this was all working so great. But then I kind of shifted direction and I started doing something else instead. And it's not working so well. Like, why'd you stop doing what was working? Why didn't you ramp that up and systemize it? Like, well, you know, I probably should have done that. (laughs) It's exactly entrepreneurs were so easily distracted. I think you've had enough of a front row seat with different entrepreneurs kind of know the winners are the people that stick with it and see it right. through and systemize and build something, you know, that they, they get through that uncomfortable, maybe even that boring phase of like, ah, I'm just not as interested anymore. You know what? No one cares if you're interested or not. It's working. Systemize it, build it. Right. So kudos to you for yes. that. And I think there's a good lesson there for a lot of people. And I love that you, you weren't lured into the private label, shiny object syndrome that so many people pursue because it, it really is at the stage you were at, it would have been a big gamble. And you're probably a better positioned now to start thinking down that road, you know, in the next several months. But yeah, great job, man. I, that was a, a brilliant decision on your part. And I, I love that coaching came through because at first when you said coaching was interesting, I was thinking, hmm, this may not be so good of a story, but it sounds like it turned out great uh, as it, it did. almost always does because we have such great coaches on our team. And Larry and Sue are certainly tremendous coaches as well. But so yeah. talk more about the, the coaching. Um, what kind of things did you learn that you wouldn't have picked up on your own? Like you, you saw it as an investment. You put the money in. Did you get a return on it? Let's, let's dig into that a little bit. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it, it accelerated me because I might have gotten to the point where I did um, eventually. But just having Larry say, if you're willing to hire somebody, why don't you just 
pay for the software, <laughs> you know, which was a great, I mean, it, it's, it's a no brainer really. Um, if I would have stopped and thought about it, I might've come up with that on my own, but just having somebody tell me that in conversation, it just made me do it sooner. And, you know, I asked, how would you hire somebody? And, and the pointers that they gave me helped me find the right person. And it might've been what I would have done anyway, mm-hmm. but it just kind of had somebody there that was fleshing these things out with me that had really good ideas that if I was asking maybe a point of clarification, it's right there and available rather than having to suffer through and try to figure it out. And, you know, with what I've done in the past, I've done enough suffering through and trying to figure it out. I just want to talk to somebody and spend the money up front and that way it'll save and I'll make more in the long run. Yeah. Some people are resistant to the idea of, of, of getting a coach, someone that's a little further down the road or someone that can help them, you know, well, here's three options you have. And here's the one that makes no sense to me. You know, why aren't you doing it? Someone that's asking you those kinds of questions and helping you guide your ship. And, uh, you use the word hire again, by the way. So for the record, these are contract employees, not hires, right? Contract workers. They are. <laughs> Although I am talking to my accountant about doing some payroll for one of the guys, but yes, you're right. Yeah. At <laughs> some point it makes sense. To, to just go ahead and bring them on board. And, and uh, for example, in, in my organization, any given month, there's easily over a hundred people that are working on a project with me in some fashion. And typically I just call them all partners. Well, I'm learning that legally that's not the best idea. So I don't know what to call these people, but they're good friends and we're building something awesome together. Okay. You know, accountants and everyone else. I don't know what to call these people, but they're great friends. We're building something special together, but I only have two employees. Everyone else's contract or pay per performance, that kind of thing, right? Um, right. So, you know, learning the terminology, but it's just beautiful what you can do with these virtual organizations now, uh, the way you can kind of co-collaborate and, 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 and just build something awesome together. So the one person that you do have working on contract for you, they do your packing. Do they do anything else for you? Or are, they, are they finding new products for you? Or is it they're pretty much just the packer? There was a day where I didn't have enough packing work. And I asked this, this gentleman to sit down at a computer and find some things. And he was able to do it. But at the end of the day, I said, hey, so what do you think about this? Is this something you might want to do? And he said, no, I'd, I'd rather just pack. Yeah. And so it's funny. I, I found some items that are I'm still buying uh, that he worked on that day. Um, and there's somebody else that has been doing my shopping for me. And I showed her how to find these items as well. She likes it. And she, I'm paying her $2 per item that she finds that I agree this looks like a good one to try. So before I've even purchased it or made any money on it, I'm giving her two bucks because the graph looks good. The rank looks good. Um, I think this is something we'll be able to buy. There's not too many sellers on it. And then we'll test it. And then I'll give her a commission based on what's sold uh, at the end of each month. So then she has to go through my seller account. So I've given her delegated access. She can go through and see what's sold off of her list. And then calculate that commission using um, RevSeller. That's beautiful. I love that you spelled out how you do that. So the, you're kind of giving her the monkey from a, to use a parenting analogy. I'm not taking that monkey back. That's your monkey. Report accurate right. numbers to me and tell me how much I owe you. And I'll go through and validate them. But yeah, you do the work. Tell me what I owe you. <laughs> that's, exactly. That's a beautiful model. So how many has she found for you? And, and what's the average check you're sending out to her right Ooh. now? 
the check isn't too big yet because um, January, let's see, December was the first month that we okay. paid anything out. And I think it was like 15 to $20. Um, and it's 10%. So I'm thinking maybe I need to bump that up and actually talk to her about that. And she said, Hey, I really love doing this, but I have this other opportunity coming up. And, um, so we'll see how long this goes, but I'm thinking sure. in the future, I'll probably do $2 per product. Like I have been, but maybe a 20% commission on profits, um, not on gross sales, but on profits. So whatever, and, so whatever you're getting, you know, basically from Amazon for those products, you're going to give her 20% of that. Yeah, exactly. Sounds like a good yeah. arrangement. I'm excited to hear how that goes. There's all kinds of creative ways you can do this for sure. Yeah. You can even hire virtual assistants to, to do some of these things. And I found a great VA in about 15 minutes last night for a problem. I've been scratching my head over for several weeks. I'm like, I'm just going to see if someone out there got into a conversation on one of these you know, find a virtual assistant websites and bam, there they were from Pakistan. It's all of my problems. So there's all kinds of creative ways that you can grow if you're willing to, to spend the money, expand your team without having to hire people, you know, make them contract workers. Um, do, are you familiar? So you asked me how many she's found. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm curious. So I just looked at the list. It has 69, 68, because of the heading, different products on here that she's found. And I have probably thrown out 15% of them. Sure. So I bet, yeah, 50, 50 products or so. She's yeah, probably still ramping it up. That, those are products mm -hmm. you probably never would have found. You taught her how to do the research. And that's a great hire. Or, or that's a great team member, we should say. You know, bring right. someone on that can find new revenue. That's mm -hmm. one of, you know, that's a, that's money well spent because they're paying for themselves. And so, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. So what else do you want to tell me about your story? You know, fill in any gaps that we've left out. Is there anything else that uh, some, maybe some key decision points in there? We've made it clear you're doing the replens model. Maybe tell us, you know, what course yeah. you, how long did it take you to go through the course? What was that like? You know, anything there? Sure. So when I first, so <laughs> When I got PAC, it was kind of funny. I listened to the rabbi podcast and then I was, I thought, I really want to see this and you know what the other speakers said at this conference. So I went on and tried to buy the conference package and it was, I don't know, 60 bucks or something like that. And then I got upsold the PAC conference or the PAC uh, proven Amazon course. And for the price that I was quoted, I thought I'd be silly not to at least check it out. And so I put it on hold, talked to my wife. She said, yeah, go ahead. So I bought it. And the first I looked at was Amazon 101. And the thing I remember from that was, if you don't take action in the first week, it's unlikely that you're going to take action. Mm -hmm. And that made me think, yeah, you're right. I just better do it. And so I started through and I loved how there's these little short segments, maybe six minutes. And then at the end, there's a little check mark. And so I was watching it with my wife and she loves check, mark, check marks. And so we both got into it and we felt like, hey, we're accomplishing something, just checking the stuff off. Yeah. And then, you know, as we were doing it, I was taking the little steps like setting up the account and, you know, going around my house and scanning some things or whatever. But by the end of that course, I had everything set up and ready to go for what I needed to do. And uh, so then I did a lot of okay. arbitrage. Yeah. But I remember hearing uh, Jimmy Smith on your podcast. And they were talking about maybe we'll fly to your house. And I thought, that sounds really interesting. But I wonder if I could just figure it out from the course. And so I bought the course. 
not knowing that it would be uploaded to prove an Amazon course later on, but bought it and started going through it. And I think, you know, once it got over the $10,000 per month mark, which was about as big as I could think at the time, because I wasn't anywhere near that, I kind of stopped listening to it because there was enough actionable content where I was able to just go through and do it. And I figured I can always come back to this later, you know, once I'm up at that level. And now I need to to do the 40,000 plus, you know, because that's really about where I'm at and it hasn't taken that long. Yeah. But I I love, I guess to answer your question. Yeah. Just for the listener's sake, hold on to your thought. Don't lose it. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just trying to listen with the, the ears of maybe a new listener. Like what are you talking about? 10,000, 40,000. The replens model that we teach in the proven Amazon course, it's one of the modules, one of many, but it's the one that Joel and so many other new students are jumping into right now. We step you through, there's such a predictable pace to this business. Like, here's what it feels like to go from zero to $10,000 a month. Here's what it feels like to go from 10,000 to 40,000 a month. Here's what it feels like to get up to $100,000 a month. And there's different challenges you're going to encounter. There's going to be different things you need to do with your business, different people that you need to bring in to assist you to keep it all humming smooth. And so at the point that you hit that curriculum that was talking about how to get up to 10,000 a month, you're like, that's as big as I can imagine right now. You stopped. And that's great because it's, it's real-time information. It's just in time instead of just in case style of education. And, and we do those check marks. We like that because there is a, there's a mental momentum there's a psychological boost. It's like, all right, I'm on step eight and, and I've covered some ground here. I've, I'm, I'm doing something. And that first win, that first sale is a big deal because one is such a bigger number than zero, right? It's just so much bigger. And uh, that yes. first sale is, is a tremendous moment in time. Um, but I, I don't want to interrupt, where were you going? And then we'll, we'll get off on those other tangents. Well, I think you asked how long it took me to get through it and I haven't. I'm I'm still not through it. In fact, I've gone back through the and looked at my progress on some of the other modules in the proven Amazon course. And I don't think I've finished any of them except for Amazon 101. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think what happens is I, I get into it and I see this is really good, or this is something I can do, or I'm not even going to touch that now. Mm-hmm. And it's enough to know to move on or to go further in. And until I've mastered what I just learned, I don't really want to go on to the next thing. Um, but it would probably be beneficial to finish a couple of these courses here in the next little t- little bit. Yeah. And it's not about finishing. You know, it, we're kind of, one of the books that I'm writing that will be done someday, hopefully, but it's all the things I had to unlearn before I could succeed as an entrepreneur. All the things from my traditional education that I had to unlearn. And one of those certainly is like, finish the book before you get started. Learn all you can learn and then go do. No, that's not the way this course is laid out. It's laid out for you to pause and come back a few weeks from now after you've done what you just learned. Put it to work. Go make some money. And sometimes you put the course aside and go out and do what you're doing and you never come back. And that's perfectly fine because that just means you've found your groove and you're off and running. But the course does grow with you over time. Always adding new modules, updating old content. So when you need it, it's there. It's like a library of just-in-time information for all things Amazon. And to my knowledge, there is exactly zero people who have been through all the content in that course, myself included, because there's a team of about 60 of us who are contributing at any given time to keeping it up and sharp and, and proven and current, right? So yeah, don't beat yourself up. That's for you. That's for all the listeners too. If you buy the course, it's 
it's kind of like a Netflix experience. No one has watched everything on Netflix. But imagine if Netflix was everything you'd ever need about an Amazon business. You could go off in this direction or that direction. There's about 50 ways to make money on that platform. And we teach them all. So, right. Beautiful. Well, what else from your story? Any tips for the listeners, perhaps? Yeah. So let's see. Some things that I've learned. I just kind of made a quick list here. One is to pay attention to Amazon shipping policies. I remember uh, we were measuring boxes with a tape measure, and if it was 25.2 inches, we would put that on our on our label. And um, that got us in trouble one time because we were shipping standard-sized items, and uh, we were trying to send in a shipment, and Amazon says, you can't send any shipments right now. And I remember thinking, why can't I send any shipments? Did I lose my account? And as I looked through the, the open communications from Amazon, it was, you violated a shipping guideline. So I had to go in and do the research and found that you can't send a box larger than 25 inches on any one side if you're sending standard sized items. Now you can, if you're sending large, uh, what do they call that? Oversized or small oversized. But then I did some more research. And if you're sending something that's larger, you have to have it one per box. You can't say, oh, I have this big, huge item. I'm going to throw in 20 other items with it because yeah. that could get you in trouble too. Yeah. So Six that was a hard lesson. And a few cans of beans. They won't take that, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I'd never really thought to go read through all the policies that Amazon has on its website, but that was an important one. Mm -hmm. And it's those little things that some people go, oh, I don't want to learn all that stuff. I don't want to. And it's not that complicated. The first time you stub your toe or bonk your head, you're like, okay, well, th then you take the time to learn it. We're all learning. Yeah, I think the listeners to this show would be amazed at the long list of things that I just don't know yet. I go in and I'm, I'm like incompetent in our warehouse at times. And they're like, really? Jim, you've been doing this 20 years and you didn't know that you have to put a suffocation sticker on every bag. <laughs> like, that's right. I completely forgotten. <laughs> it's like, go put stickers on all the bags, Jim. If you're going to be helper around here, you got to know how this stuff works. Like all these little things. But after you've done it once, you know, and you know that's going right. forward. And it really isn't a lot, especially when you're considering you can launch, get a business going. When we're talking, you know, $100,000 a month, a great margins, something you're doing in your spare time. Uh, just... It, some people don't have an appreciation, I don't think, for the low-hanging fruit this opportunity represents. If you're ready to do the work, you got to be willing to do the work. But if you're going to follow the map, follow the trail, man, it's, it's laying out there. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. That's true. Yeah. That's been my experience. Hey, this is Jim. Sorry to interrupt this fantastic episode, but I wanted to alert you very quickly before we jump back to the show about today's sponsor. This episode is sponsored by The Legends Group. That is a small group of sellers who gather primarily on Facebook, but also live at a couple events per year and talk about how to source products successfully to sell on Amazon. They specialize in retail arbitrage and online arbitrage strategies. If you want to check them out and find out more about them, there's only one link to use. That's provenamazoncourse.com slash legends. Again, provenamazoncourse.com slash 
Legends. Go ahead and check them out. It is a phenomenal group. You can drop out anytime you want, but I think you're going to love the regular trainings, the positive atmosphere. It's like a big family. And if you want to hang out with other people who are doing creative things, sourcing retail and online arbitrage style for Amazon, that is where you want to be. Hey, let's jump back into the show now. So what are the lessons? I love that little lesson about, you know, box size and, and you don't want to yeah. play around with the whole 50 pound rule either, right? You're like, you know, 49.9, oh. nah, let's stay away from that 50 because if their scale's a little off, <laughs> here comes mm-hmm. the penalty, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, we usually don't ship anything over 45 pounds just to yeah. stay a little bit further away. Exactly, just to be safe. Um, another thing that I picked up from Jimmy in one of his, I don't know if it was a podcast or a video, but it was check feedback and account health he says he does it daily. Yeah. Um, I say do it at least weekly yep. and then address any negative feedback issues and try to get them resolved. And I actually have a, a story about that. So the feedback issue, I had listed two of an item. I had listed one of an item. And at the time that I put that in my inventory, it was one of the item. And then I sold a bunch of them. And then eventually whoever made that listing changed it to two of that item. And I didn't get notified. And the only time I figured it out was when I had a negative feedback saying, I thought I was supposed to get two of these. Yeah, this is, this is a two-pack and I got one. Yeah, okay, I'm with you. So the customers right. understand so, they're upset. Of course. And, and I thought, well, that's silly. I mean, nobody else has had this complaint and it was one the whole time. So I went and looked at it and sure enough, it had been updated. And so I put notes on her feedback that, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it had been updated. This is something I didn't do, but I'm happy to give you a full refund. And she said, well, if you just refund me half, that's okay. Hmm. Well, I had already given her a full refund and she had committed to removing the feedback because I refunded her her money. But then this thing stayed there and stayed there. And it was like in April, I got this thing. And by July, it was still there. And it was just driving me nuts. I'm like, why is this still here? So I started private messaging. Well, first I called Amazon or got a hold of them. And they said, Hey, if a case has been closed five days, we can't reopen it. So, okay. Lesson learned. Make sure you're responding to cases. If you have any more additional information you want to talk about within a five day period. Secondly, they said, if you want to reach out to the customer directly, you can, and she can remove it. So I started private messaging her weekly. And it got to the point where I was like, hey, today's the day of integrity. <laughs> you said, and I copied what she said, will you please do this? And then you she she I messaged quote. me back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she messaged me back and said, I would, but I don't know how. So then I found the, um, the process and gave her the link in Amazon's encyclopedia of how you do things. Sure. And she was able to get it removed. And since that day, I've had 100% feedback and I'm vigilant about anytime like somebody says, hey, I got it, but the box was smashed. This is an FBA issue and they'll get it taken down. So that's been a lesson that has been great. Yeah. Protect that feedback. That really helps. You know, I, I don't know that there's a huge difference between a 90% and a 100%. Some people say there is. You get the buy box more often, or, but you want it as high as you can keep it. And uh, yeah, we kind of live and die by those like, yes, another five-star. If you're going to give me four stars, you might as well have given me a one star. Come on, help me out here, people, right? Uh, but, right. but, you know, I would encourage you, don't stress out too much. You know, maintaining a perfect right. 100%, that's a good thing. But over time, you're going to have a 95% plus anyway with as many transactions as you're doing. And 
uh, you know, stay in the nineties and you'll be fine kind of rule of thumb. Uh, but that is, a, that is a great story of just, you know, stick with it, do what you got to do. And Amazon still does. I mean, they'll, they'll wipe out if it was their fault, if it was something other, maybe stated better, if it wasn't your fault as the seller, they'll remove it the vast majority of the time. Uh, if you ask them to, we have that opportunity to interact with them. You know, I remember I always contrast Amazon now to eBay, say, you know, 15, 18 years ago when I was first in it. And the review was what the review was. If someone wanted to change it, tough luck. You know, it's in the system now. No one's going to change anything. It's there. It's like, oops, right. I accidentally hit one star instead of five. Sorry. No one can do anything about it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but now we at least have this feedback system and Amazon's there and, and, you know, they, they care to the, to the degree that, uh, that, you know, we want those little things taken care of. They understand there's real businesses out here depending on it. So yeah, that's a cool story. Yeah. Any other little lessons or tidbits, things you've learned along the way? Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, with my shopper, I was able to give her limited access to my Amazon account. Yeah. And with that, we were able to get the Amazon seller app on her phone. Right. And so when she's out purchasing things for me now, if she sees something that's interesting, she can look it up using a scanner or a reverse source, uh, you know, typing in the words for that product. Mm-hmm. And um, she doesn't do product research while she's shopping and I'm paying her for hours shopping, but she'll use that then to go back later and find new products to add into inventory. So that was something that I don't think everybody knew because I, I talked to somebody in, in the organization and they, they didn't know that. But um, yeah, it's something you can do. If you give somebody limited access, they can get the seller Amazon uh, app and use it to source. Yeah, that's phenomenal. And you can teach them how to research and you know, show them how to use Keepa, even put them through the course if you'd like, right? Get them ramped up. Uh, sometimes people will say, well, what if you just turn them into your competitor? Well, my thought on that is, First, there's so much opportunity out there. That's fine. But next, you've got a big head start. You've got approval in categories and products and things. You know, they're going to be way better off. We've got, actually got a, some podcast episodes coming up in the near future where uh, people are growing their team using these exact strategies of just having people help sell on my account. You can make a pretty strong case to someone who's competent, like, hey, just sell on my account. Here's why. All these approvals, I'll take on the risk. You know, let's just work, do this as a team. I'll pay you a nice commission for it. Help me build my account. And you could have a whole team of people like what you just described who are out there, you know, checking your account and seeing, do we already sell this? Yes or no? Like they can answer these questions on the fly in real time. And they're out there adding revenue to your business. Uh, that, that's, what can, that's what's possible with this. So I love that you shared that. And we've got a lot of tools coming that are going to make that a little easier as well tools and training, such as a new coach. We just brought on the team yesterday, a new coach who his entire business is run from a network of homes in his city. He doesn't have an office. Everyone works from home. Shoppers, preppers, dropping stuff off at this guy's driveway and he preps it for us. And the supplies are delivered by the same people that shop. And it's a pretty slick system that saves you. You know, you don't have to have a warehouse. You don't have, you can have a big operation nice healthy seven-figure operation without any warehouse storing everything that's great all these little ways that you can ramp up and be creative and and learn from each other cool stuff huh yeah absolutely um did we leave anything else out of your story or anything else that you wanted to share i mean i I love you just kind of come with these little random tidbits this is great 
A couple things. Yeah. So I've been getting a lot of product compliance requests lately. I think mm-hmm. that's pretty common among sellers after Christmas for toys. And yeah, mostly toys, things with small parts. And it's making me rethink how many of these I really want to carry mm-hmm. because unless you're buying from a distributor and they can actually get you the requirements that they're asking for, it's difficult to find that. And so I found that like, if you're selling a thousand piece puzzle, you might not be asked, but if you're selling a 500 piece puzzle, you you might be asked uh, for these product safety requirements. And I think it has to do with the age uh, that each person that uses this product is supposed to be before they it's age appropriate. The the younger children, the infants, um, anything that the infants could you know, sold to that age demographic, you're going to have a lot more, there's a lot more policy concerns there. Just think, you know, where are all the lawsuits? You know, right. Protect Absolutely. Little babies putting the toy in their mouth kind of thing. You know, that's, so it's the, the age. I, th- I think what I heard was if you stay above 12 and over, you know, don't quote me on that, but I think I was hearing, you know, that's kind of the rumor. If you're going to sell toys, try to stay in the 12 and over. If you want to avoid these, you know, policy compliant paperwork requests, uh, but the worst case is you're like, you know what? I'll just stop selling that. Maybe you bring a few back and you sell them on eBay. You know, the beauty of the replens model is you're never so deep into any one product that it breaks your system to hear that you can't sell that product anymore or even that brand right. product anymore. You don't go so deep into any one product or brand that you couldn't yank it and keep doing business as usual the next day. Yeah, right? absolutely. So you moved away from some toys as a result of this? I have, and I'm going to be really careful as to what I buy. And I like the 12 and over rule. So it's just something to keep in mind as we approach next year, end of the year. Um, yeah, I won't probably Christmas. buy a lot of the yeah. same things. And always take a look at eBay too. I mean, that's a great tip. You know, one of the okay. things I love doing with our products when we put them out there on eBay is you can, you can set a price, set it for indefinite listing time, and the price slowly drops over time until it sells. And one of these, you know, and yeah. I'm sitting here and on my phone, I'll get an alert, like, boom, something else sold and the team will ship it out the next day. Maybe we made a few dollars. Maybe we broke even, maybe we lost a little bit, but on none of these products did we have 500 sitting in the warehouse and we're going, oh no, what are we going to do? Amazon just told us we can't sell this anymore. You know, the most we have of anything is at any given time is maybe 30, 40 units of anything. That includes our warehouse mm-hmm. in transit to Amazon or sitting on the shelf. Add all that together. We never have more than 20 or 30 of anything. So we never wow. have this like, wow, we just got that huge rug yanked out from underneath us. No, we're an inch deep and a mile wide. It's a, it's a beautiful model. So I love that you can kind of process this from a logical, you know, rational, like, yeah, maybe I just won't sell those items anymore. That's fine. Mm-hmm. That's one of the beauties of the replin model. Yeah, absolutely. So how have you, where have you found your best replins? Give me a few examples of ones you're most excited about. Um, yeah, so let's see. I, I like low-priced bundles. So if I'm looking for a specific product, you know, I might take a photo of it while I'm in the store. Uh, it might be like a, a sandwich container and that comes with a little snack container and that comes with a little drink kind of whatever it is, juice box. And those three things go together and the return on it's 80 plus percent. You know, those things are great because I can buy them over and over and over. Uh, the things that, so there's been a couple things that there was one it was a food storage thing that I'd purchased. It was over $6 per item. And I could tell that this store where I was buying it was probably not going to carry it any longer because the price started dropping a little bit, but it got down to under $2. And I went to every single store in the area that I could find and bought as many as I possibly could because that thing sells for like $20 a piece. 
Right. And so I, I just sent in the last tranche of that, but I mean, probably 130 at a time is what I was sending in. Um, because my restock report was saying I needed that or more, right. um, cause it was selling so many. Oh, that's great. So you, you kind of cleaned out on the last of it and you'll run into those opportunities as you kind of know, that's one of the benefits of, right. of keeping your toe dipped in the water of shopping, which I do, I do a considerable amount still for our, for our replant business, just because you start to recognize the opportunity and I can say, Hey, you know, this brand, keep an eye on this brand. And I know I'm in the stores. I I'm, I'm talking to store managers. I enjoy that part of the business. And you do see those opportunities. I've got two or three golden nuggets right now. Like if I would send someone driving all over the state, if they could go collect certain items, right? Uh, because they're just yes. fire. And you, but you know what those are and, and uh, the thrill of the hunt almost, right? So that's great. That's right. That, that you're pretty deep into it, but you're confident. How many units a month is that product selling? Uh, just keep a, give you an estimate. Over a hundred. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. Which means two or three then, units a month easily. Right. Yeah. So you're going to, and if you're one of the few sellers, you're going to burn through those at a night. And probably as they start to vanish, the price is just going to climb too. It's true. But then I'm wondering so, what replens do I need to replace this? Because it's kind of the elephant that's passing through the snake right now, the, mm-hmm. the pig, I suppose, yeah. in the metaphor. And this is going to come to an end. And I have another one like that where I could, I could tell it was a seasonal item, but it's something that people would want year round. Yeah. Uh, it's a tea. And the place that was carrying it, they're not going to carry it again until next year, fall or, or winter. And so they discounted the price a little bit and I bought as many as I possibly could. And I've called around at all the other stores and nobody else has it. So I have the last of the stock, I got you. but then that's going to be another one that's going to run out and I need to yeah. find something else to fill that void. Yeah. And, and one of the things, you know, if I, if I was coaching you on your business is like, that's great. Have fun with those, enjoy them, but don't build your business around it. Those are kind of the icing on the cake. The cake is right. the replants, the boring stuff that's going to sell yeah. more in January than it does in December. That's the stuff that you want to get excited about. You know, the, the products that people buy year round is boring old stuff. You know, that's right. where the real money is. And I love that you mentioned the bundles. We're doing some super creative stuff with bundles right now. We've got our new bundle content that's coming very soon to the Proven Amazon course and uh, an opportunity to get it with Lisa and Jenny to get into their workshop. I'll stick a link to that in the show notes. I better make myself a note, but we're going to be doing something that to my knowledge, no one else in the Amazon world is doing about bundles where you can actually lock it down to where even if it's very common items in the bundle, no one can copy you basically. Talk about getting your brand registered for generic name brand bundles. Pretty cool stuff. We're doing it successfully right now. And we've got Amazon's seal of approval on the whole process. They actually love it. They're helping us out with it. So pretty exciting stuff that's coming. So if you're into bundling at all, I mean, we've got some great stuff coming. Pay attention to that. Stay in our Facebook group to, to get those updates too. Uh, the next, I'd say within the next couple months or so, we're mid-February right now. You're going to see some pretty exciting announcements along those lines, but cool stuff. Well, you've dropped some great, great knowledge on us today. This was a, a really cool episode. I appreciate all those little nuggets of wisdom and uh, you've got a compelling story. Uh, any plans to go full-time anytime in the near future? Yeah, um, that's something I'd hope to do this year. Um, You know, as the numbers allow, it looks like we're getting pretty close to that point. I actually have um, a full year worth of expenses in the bank um, to prepare for that. And so uh, it's just what we needed for our comfort level uh, to step off and do that. But yeah, should be 
That's sometime, hopefully first half of this year. Yeah, it's beautiful. There's one more thing I wanted to oh, mention. Oh, please though, do. I don't right. to cut you off. Yeah, please share. Just being around all these business owners, I come across really great ideas. And one yeah. thing I've heard from a lot of people who have a replan type of business is that this isn't something I could really sell. And I have a way that I think that could happen. Hmm. Um, it's through an employee stock ownership plan. I've done some uh, deals with different business owners who have sold their business to their employees. And there's a really great interview out. Uh, if you would like, I can send you the, the link for it. But yeah. Um, it talks about a gentleman who had a transportation company in Northern California. And after it hit about three to $5 million a year in revenues, he decided to sell it to his management team and using the future profits of the business. Sure. And he sold, and I think just retained like 1% and then a, a spot on the board. But he was able to cash out essentially. And all these guys now who were working for him were now working with him. And he could step away and the business kept on growing because they, they all took ownership because they had ownership. And really, I think ownership is the big thing that drives wealth, whether it's in your house or any type of real estate or a business. Sure. If we can figure out how to get people who maybe have a high school diploma, but they're working with us, they're solid, and you know, they want to be invested, let's figure out a way for them to be invested. And I be able to that. have an exit strategy for ourselves where we can, it'll free us up for some more stuff, you know, maybe some more private label or exclusivity, um, yeah. some consulting, but you, you actually have the engine that continues to drive, you know, and yeah. you could even stay on as an employee of this business that you sold or an advisor or a consultant. That makes so much sense. And, and for those who maybe didn't follow Joel, I completely followed what you just said. But one of the, one of the challenges people sometimes have with the, let's say the replans model or the, you know, finding random widgets to sell online. I was like, Hey, you're not building an asset. You're just, you've got a job that, you know, pays decent hours, pays decent money for return for the time you put in, but it's not a sellable asset. Well, what Joel's just laid out is, yeah, it, it, it is. If you've got a good team and they can run it while you take, you know, I guess maybe the test would be, are you able to take a two or three week vacation and not touch the business and your team kind of runs things and it kind of grows even? Well, you've got an asset. You could sell it to the team. And not that they have to pony up money, I'm guessing, right? It's based on, like you said, the future profits that the business generates. You're going to get a, per, a percent of those and maintain some, some leadership role uh, on the business, but you turn it over to them. And the thing I like about that is I'm kind of envisioning the, the meetings you could have with your team leading up to that saying, hey guys, I'm not going to do this forever. I want you guys to be rewarded for the hard work you've put in. Do you guys want to own a piece of this? Right. And you kind of get their brains thinking like now that they have ownership, they're going to be a little more creative. Maybe they're going to work a little harder. Maybe they're going to feel like they're vested. It's probably the magic business word, right? Uh, That that, Mm -hmm. uh, gets the wheels turning. So I love it. Yeah. Send me that information. Maybe we'll, we'll revisit this, but I love that planning that thought in some folks' heads today. Like, yeah, you are building an asset. This can be transferred, not necessarily to a brand new owner who comes in and says, now what's a replan, but maybe it's to your team. Right. Yes. That's fantastic. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. All kinds of little fun, random directions we can go when we're talking about these businesses, man. That's, that was an awesome one. That's actually never come up before that I can recall. So thanks for bringing that one up. I love it. You're welcome. But, uh, well, it, I've got to wrap this episode up, even though I'm sure we could do this for a while longer. I'm going to get in trouble with, sure. uh, with my boss, my wife, <laughs> got some plans tonight. So 
Uh, this has been a great time, Joel. Thank you for, for hanging out with us, buddy. And, and good luck on your transition as it comes. Uh, you know, I'd love to have you, have you back after you've settled into your new routine going full-time with your online business. But uh, let me just talk for a minute to all right. the online, the business building warriors out there who are listening. Thank you for hanging out with Joel and I today. And you know you're in our prayers. We are here for you. We're in your corner. And we want you to succeed. That's why we do what we do. There's 63,000 of us hanging out every day in a Facebook group supporting each other, encouraging each other, helping solve each other's challenges and, and move each other forward. And Joel's just another great example of a, of a student who jumped in, got the proven Amazon course, went through our coaching, has built something special for his family and for his future. And uh, we're super honored to get to work with great guys like Joel and, and you as well, listener. Thank you for the role you play in, in this community. So keep spreading the word. Send your friends to silentgym.com. That's where they can hear all the episodes of this show. If you're watching on YouTube, one little reminder, most of our shows aren't on YouTube. Get over to Silent Gym and hear all the audio versions as well. So, Joel, thanks for hanging out, buddy. Thank you, Jim. It's yeah, been great. It a pleasure. And to all the listeners, you know we'll be back soon with another great episode. We'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.